Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. We've been learning a lot about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that the, the impact of that cannot be underrated or underemphasized, which I think is one of the reasons it's been so heavy on our pastor's heart to actually do a series on it, right? So has that been a blessing to everybody? Yes. It, it has. So, and, and typically when I put together a message, it doesn't take me a long time. This is actually a message I've been working on for a couple months, uh, which is odd for me, but it happens to line up with what Donnie has been preaching. So not that Donnie has not gotten into specific details he has. Um, this may be a little micro than it is macro, if everybody knows what I mean. Um, but I'm just going to dive right in, you know. First of all, the, the message of the, the title of the message is Our Identity is Christ, not just in Christ. So can we can we pull the Bible creed up? So let's everybody hold up your phone, your Bible, whatever. Let's make sure we get started right. So this is our Bible declaration. If everybody would repeat in concert with me, if you can. This is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. So our identity is so important. Really understanding who we are, that we are, that, that we are so grafted into Christ that there, there is no separation. And I think many of the things that stop us from getting where we want to get, and, and I'm primarily going to be talking about Mentally, where do we want to get mentally and emotionally so we can be used by God the way that He wants to use us? Because if you're an emotional wreck, all you are is a hindrance to the body of Christ, right? I mean, we all go through seasons, don't get me wrong, but if you're that one who's constantly, you follow me? So, 
understanding our identity, that God is going to continue to do what he does in our life. There can be a lot of pressure we put on ourselves to try to transform ourselves, forgetting who actually does the work and has the power. So we get into this striving and this especially if you're a strong-willed person or a type D or an A like, like I am, very intense, right? I can easily forget. So it's good to be reminded. The Apostle Peter says that multiple times. So first of all, if you have your Bibles, and if we can put it on the screen, if not, that's fine. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 from the New King James. Give me an amen when you're there. Amen. It says, but you, who? You. you, 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 you. Look at somebody and say you. you. Are a chosen generation. We're chosen. We didn't choose him. He chose us. Hello? No man comes to God unless he is drawn by the Father. So there we have something to really think about. We're already chosen. We're not waiting to be chosen. We're not fighting for our salvation. We're working out our salvation in fear and trembling. There's a big difference. Amen? His own, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Say, I am a holy nation. God has already made me holy. God has already made me holy. My spirit man is as holy as holy can be. Well, see, there's a difference between holiness and sanctification. See, God is holy. He's holy. There's just, if you can, you just can't think of anything wrong with God. Amen? <laughs> but sanctification is the process of becoming holy, of becoming set apart. So when you and I are born again, our spirit man, he's brand new. He's got to be, he's, uh, he's a baby. Got to get the milk, then the meat. But he's got to be built up. He's got to be trained. He's got to be fed. Whatever you feed is what's going to control you. Amen? So our natural our carnal self, our, our, our mind, will, and emotions that drive the body to do things that it shouldn't do, to say things that it shouldn't say. Sanctification is the process of that natural self and that soul man coming more in line with the Spirit man that lives inside of us or the spirit, our spirit man. Does everybody get that? 
God communicates us through the Holy Spirit. Genesis 3, 5, that's not gonna be on the screen. It says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You will be like God, the serpent says. But here's the thing. Adam and Eve were already as like God as they ever could or would be. Come on, think about it. They were as like God as anybody will ever be except those who are in heaven now. They were literally made in his image, formed by his hands. His breath was in their lungs and daily, daily they walked and worked by his side. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis 1.27. Satan tricked Eve and her husband into chasing something they already had. Uh, the Latin is amago di, the image of God. So the, the, the serpent tricked them into going after something they already had. But he, but he tried to get them to go a route, right? Yeah. To get to that place when they were already there. And you and I have been paying the consequences ever since. Amen? And we as human beings have struggled to remember who we are ever since distorting our thought processes to the point we are so lost and confused we don't know what to do until we meet Jesus and the transformation and the renewing process begins. And, thinking, and think of how forgetting who we are distorts our review of relationships, particularly, particularly romantic and sexual relationships. There is so much hurt and shame surrounding this subject People go further than they ever intended to go because they're stuck, stuck chasing the affection and the approval they already have in Christ. You already have it. You're not going to get justified by anything that you do. You are already justified. Bought with a price. Don't make me bring up doulas. You guys need to get to know me a little better. But literally, the word servant in the Greek is doulos. Do you know what it means? Slave. We're not volunteers. But the Bible says you're either a slave to sin or to no in-between, is there? So you're a slave to something. A slave to righteousness brings freedom. A slave to sin brings, brings condemnation, brings uh, captivity. They use their bodies as commodities and use other people the same way because of this warped idea of where our value actually comes from. 
It doesn't come from what other people think about us. It doesn't come from our job, our ability, how smart we are, how good looking we are, how ugly we are. It simply comes from the image of God inside of us. There's a quote from, by a gentleman named Greg Laurie. And it says, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you a whole lot more than you want to pay. And I can testify to that. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to be there and cost you more sometimes than you have. Amen? So we're going to talk about three demonic mentalities or three areas where our thinking's not right if we need to be, you know, less spiritual. But these are demonic mentalities that we need to recognize and correct so we can walk in that true identity of being in Christ. Amen? So the first one is self-provision and self-preservation mentality. Let me say that again. Self-provision and the self-preservation mentality. See, this denies Jesus as our source of everything. It's like the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Does everybody get that? They went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil because they were trying to be self-sufficient. Why do you think, why, why would it be wrong to have the knowledge of good and evil? Because God didn't want them getting their information from any other source but him. Period. And as soon as they stepped out, when they became disobedient, they got the knowledge they were looking for, which was a lie. And if we can't look back and see where two people that were walking with God in the day from their mistakes, then I don't know what we're doing here. Amen? See, trying to do things in your own strength we try to be strong. We try to be holy. We try to have peace. Searching and searching and seemingly never as far as we think we should be. Can anybody testify to that? I do not feel like I'm anywhere near where I should be. And I can look back on mistakes that I've made and use those as reasons why I haven't got there, I can beat myself up into condemnation, or I can just recognize that God is sovereign, his timing is perfect, his grace and mercy is abundant, and I'm going to get to where he wants me to go. My goal is to make that journey as easy as possible. Amen? That's what submission to the Holy Spirit does. It's hard to kick against the goads. I do have good news. We can stop that constant battle with negative emotions, feeling like we're failures. This room is filled with people, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, numero uno, who are somewhat frustrated spiritually. Whether you have been following God for years and years, 20 years like I have, or you are new to the faith, or you have fallen into greasy grace and sloppy agape, all of us can glean something from this message. I believe. I hope. I pray. Amen? First uh, Peter chapter 5.10. Do we have that for the screen? First Peter chapter five, verse 10. So it says, but may the God of all grace, the God of who? All grace. all grace. Who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. He, he called us or we called him? After you have suffered a little while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Who does all of that? God, the God of all grace. That's who, not me. I go through the suffering part. Many times because of disobedience. But many times it's the will of God. I'm not going to be a joint heir with Christ if I don't suffer with Christ. It's just part of the deal. We got to get past this, woe is me, when's this going to end? <laughs> we just got to plow forward. That's what the Bible says. Put your hands to the plow and don't look back. There's nothing back there for you. It's death. Everything behind you is death. Everything right now and in front of you is life. We got to give ourselves a fresh start because God gives us one every day numerous times a day. Amen. Just remember, after you have suffered a while, I wish he would say, after you've suffered 30 days, <laughs> after you've suffered seven years, just, I just want to know, how long am I supposed to suffer? Is that unreasonable? I have these types of conversations with him. But he never, I don't think he listens. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. How do we get gifts? We receive them. I can walk up here with $1,000 and hold it out and say, this is my gift to you. But if you don't reach out and take it, I'm going to put it back in my pocket. Give it to somebody who needs it. Amen? So we got to receive it. It is not from ourselves. Matthew 16, 23 through 26. I think we have that one. No? Okay. All right, I'll give you a minute to get there if you want to join me. Matthew 16, 23 through 26, somehow the NIV got on this one. I don't know how. Forgive me. 
Give me an amen when you're there. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. I hate for Jesus to say that to me. But I know I have been. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Hmm. Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, preserve their life, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, Christ, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You can't put a value on a soul. You notice Jesus' words here says, but merely human concerns. They're talking about food, I think. That's merely a human concern? I mean, doesn't that provoke us to really analyze the way we think it and the way we look at things? Because if we're not getting into this word and seeing things that's challenging us to think differently, then we're really not studying the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you, you are going to get challenged for the rest of your life, to change some of the ways you think. Amen? And it's got to come from the Bible. It's got to come from the only source of truth there is. Everything else is a lie. That's why you got to know the gospel. There's, there's some religions out there that are, look very Christian. Let me put it that way. So Jesus was addressing a mentality that was carnal, not spiritual. Everybody get it? We can chase the world at 100 miles an hour or we can follow God at his steady pace. This is so much more than changing habits or quitting this or that. This is about transforming the way we think. A complete and total new way of thinking about who we really are what is readily available to access like peace above our carnal understanding, like entering the throne room of grace with boldness and not timidity. Peter gives us great hope in this area as we read the gospels of, that, that involve Peter and his failures and then we can read First and second Peter, and we can see the evidence of a completely transformed, renewed mind. So if there's hope for him, there's hope for me. Amen? God will do the exact same thing to us. It's a process. Be patient with yourself, but be intentional. Be mindful. Do things that make you remember. Sticky notes. Reminders on your calendar. 
Everything is at your disposal, right? God has even given us electronics now so that we have everything we need to live a life of godliness. He said he's already given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. That's what he said. I don't feel it. But his word says it. So I must be wrong. It was very hard for me to come to terms with that early in my walk with Christ. But at some point I made up my mind, if this says something different than what I think, then I'm wrong and I need to think like this. Amen? So I just love the way Peter developed and fed his spiritual mind and just they're just powerful books. Read them sometime. Powerful books. So we must intentionally train our minds until we instinctively think of his word, his promises, and his truth. When our minds go places, we know it is not of God. Come on, like hit yourself with a hammer, what instinctively comes to mind. Oh, hallelujah. It took me a while to train myself to do that. Because the other one started with different letters. Amen? Just keeping it real. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So you got to really think about this scripture for a minute. Because anything and everything that exalts itself against who God says you are, what God says you have, what God says you have coming, where you're going to spend eternity, the enemy, it just, it, once you start recognizing these thoughts and capturing them and not acting on them, that's when the process, I think, gets a little easier, if you will, because early it's hard. So give yourself a break, amen? But don't lose sight. So the second uh, mentality I want to talk about is the poverty mentality. Yes, it's, a, it's about money, but it's about other things as well. So some of the thoughts, some of the wrong thoughts would be from a poverty mentality, poverty mindset. It says, my money and my net worth defines who I am. My money and my net worth defines who I am. There are a lot of people in that place, in and out of the church. And I've been there. <clears throat> See, this is, dangerous. this is dangerous thinking because there are very few of us who are sure of their financial future. We don't know what the future holds for any of us. I don't know about you guys, but I'm probably, you know, five months from being homeless if the money stopped coming in tomorrow. But we move on by faith. Amen? Needing more money to feel secure and safe. 
Is money your security blanket? It could easily be for me, but I've made enough stupid mistakes to make sure that ain't happening. <laughs> Just keeping it real. Depending on others for things you have the ability to obtain. Thoughts or words like, I work so hard but can't make ends meet. If the economy would just get better. If the IRS would stop taking all my money. Oh, this inflation, blah, 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 blah. How much of this stuff do you think affects God and his economy? Zero. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. How about if I ever have any extra, I will be the first to give to the poor, to the widows, to the church, yada, 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 yada. How about this one? If only Kamala would take Biden's spot. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> okay, you guys put that in your pocket and pull it out later. So the moderate poverty mindset is an identity problem that focus on, focuses on what we possess instead of who possesses us. Come on, I think that bears saying again. Amen? The poverty mindset is an identity problem that focuses on what we possess instead of who possesses us. Amen? Psalm 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or it, the, the Greek or the Hebrew is I shall not lack. I shall not lack. Amen? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways that he may direct your path. Amen? Do you want your path directed by God? then you got to get used to acknowledging him in how many of your ways? So if you're a closet Christian with anybody, uh-oh, if you're a closet Christian with anybody, i say no more. Just remember, it's God's understanding that we lean on, not our own. We've got to get his understanding, amen? amen. Galatians 2.20 says, it is not I who live, but Christ lives in me. So in reality, I'm just a dead man filled with the life of the resurrected spirit. Whoo, the same spirit that lives in me raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the Bible says. I got to be careful of my feelings and the way I think. Amen. Amen? Colossians 3.3 says, my life is hidden in God. My life is hidden in God. <laughs> my life is not outside of God. Ah, Psalms 34.10. The young lions lack and sucker, suffer Sucker. Suffer hunger. 
But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come on. The young lion lacks and suffers hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. We go back to the garden or we go back to the wilderness where Jesus was tempted, right? And everything looks good. But the devil says, God's holding out on you. If you are truly the son of God, did God really say? Whew, he's a master manipulator. You know, and, and the biggest problem with the prosperity gospel that's out there is that it teaches that everybody is going to be rich. That's how they build these big congregations. The, the truth of the matter is, when you look at the parable of the talents, some was given one talent according to their ability. One was given two talents according to his ability. One was given five according to his ability. Do not despise if you're a two or if you're a one or if you're a five. Just be grateful that he chose you. And if you're continually trying to make yourself a five-talent guy and things are not working, maybe you're not a five-talent guy. Amen? You know, I've shared this during a, a tithe and offering message, but does anybody understand that when, I may have been here, when the three wise men came to Jesus, and they brought in uh, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. He was a millionaire. <laughs> Do you realize that at that point? Myrrh was more expensive than gold. I mean, if Jesus was poor, why did he need a treasure? Now, was he out buying Corvettes and stuff like that? No. He used the money wisely. And sometimes he didn't even touch the money. He just did a miracle. Five loaves, 5,000. Amen? And then the third one I want to jump into here is the comparison mentality. Anybody struggle with that? I'll raise my hand. Anybody struggle with the comparison mentality? All right, well, this will minister to a few of you. The rest of you need to repent for not raising your hand. So, no, so the comparison mentality says, uh, let me change that. The comparison mentality, your, our mindset needs to be like this. No one has to fail for us to be successful. Okay. If we, if we work on this mindset, it will be easier to praise others when they get blessings, when they get promoted, even if they get promoted over you. Because if, if you hold something, a little something when you don't like to see 
someone growing a little faster or getting a promotion or more money or advancing in the church, whatever. Man, we got to check ourselves. Right? We should be happy for people when they have good things happen to them. Amen? See, there is no limit to God's provision. We don't have to fight for what we need. He provides all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Amen? There is no limit. We, we're not trying to carve out a piece of the pie, people. The pie is so big, we could never get all of it. And if we did, he'd make another pie. There's just no end to his, his resources. So let's not get caught up in the competition. Amen? Count your own blessings, not the blessings of others. And trust me, you got a bunch of them. If you need help with them, see me afterwards. I'll help you. Just the fact that you can get up and walk up here and talk to me makes you blessed. Amen? Comparison is a thief of joy. It will take your joy and put you into this woe is me. Galatians 6, 4 and 5 teaches us to focus on our own work and conduct. It says, but let each one examine his own work. Whose work? And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. If you're on the job site, all you should be doing is working to get better at what you do. You just focus on your skills, your ability, your knowledge. You won't have time to find everybody else's faults because you'll be going to be finding yours. Amen? But if we examine our own work, then we will have rejoicing in ourselves and not in another. Amen? But we have to examine our, our work. The Bible said, tells us to examine ourselves to see if we are still in the faith of Christ Jesus. Listen, people, we are prone to drift. We are prone to black, backslide. We are prone to these things. They're, they're part of our natural DNA, but God's given us a new DNA and empowering us to get past these things that are hindrances and stopping us from our true callings. There's a, whole, there's a bunch of ministers in this place. A bunch of ministers. Every one of you. You've been called to preach the gospel. So if you have a fear... You need to get over it. You need to face it. Pastor Donnie comes up here with sweaty hands all the time with a towel in his hand. He's still nervous. How many years later? Thank you, Lord. Just remember, there will always be someone smarter 
better looking, well-built, wealthier, has more toys, and seems to have less problems. Seems to have less problems. See, you and I just must accept the calling on our lives, the destiny God has placed on our lives. Because if we try to live anything else out, we're going to be miserable, no matter how good it looks. Or as Donnie would say, the shiny things. <laughs> I wrote this down. Shiny things do not determine your value. They determine what you value. Second Corinthians 10, 12 says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. So if you're not wise, you are either ignorant or you're a fool. There's no in-between. This too hard, too rough? All right. Here it comes. No, just kidding. So if, if, if we're wise, then by default, we're not going to be ignorant or a fool. Right? So, so being wise, using wisdom, should be very important. I would say this, after working with a lot of people with a lot of wisdom, uh, you can, there is such a thing as paralysis by analysis. <laughs> so, balance, amen? God has something very God has something very specific for us to do teaching and gleaning from specific people with a lot of diversity from finances to culture to doctrine and individual circumstances. God puts people in our lives who have something we need. And just as importantly, he puts people in our lives that have something that we need. We must not underestimate the value of fellowship, of like-mindedness, of coming to church. Forsake not the assembling. Amen? If our focus is on what we don't have, then by default, we will not recognize what we have to offer. Amen? If our focus is on what we don't have, the shiny thing, or that relationship, or whatever that may be, that job, that promotion, that salary, right? If that's where our focus is, then by default, by distraction, we're going to miss what God has for us to do. Amen?
1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus, to give life and life more abundantly. And that word life comes from a Greek word called zoe. And it doesn't mean abundance in material thing. It, mean, it means this blissful relationship that you have with Christ. That's zoe life. Carrying the fruit of the Spirit. Joy. That's the abundant life. That's why it's important to know the Greek sometimes, right? Because if you just read abundant life, what do you start thinking about? Especially as a baby Christian. The pastor already promised I'd get a Cadillac if I stayed long enough. <laughs> so I've got a few things I want to share and you can get with me later. But if, any of these areas are challenges for anyone in the room. I don't want to, you know, put out a message and, and not maybe give you something um, even more tangible and practical. So if you're one of those people who struggles with their identity, like in a big way, there's a book out there called Identity and Destiny. I would just recommend everyone in this room do it. Identity and destiny. It will really get you, it's a catalyst and it will catapult you into these things that we're talking about. Where you'll become, I'm just telling you, it's, it's great. If you struggle with pride and you're not too prideful to admit it, Mm-hmm, that's what happens. Pride denies pride, denies pride. There's a great book out there by David E. Taylor called Triumph in Humility, Victory Over Pride. Powerful, powerful book. I would recommend everybody in this room read that one too. If you deal with self-pity or low self-esteem or suffering and the things you have to go through in your life, then you simply read Job, Joseph, Paul, and all the other martyrs. That's simple. All we have to do is look back at what our founding fathers did for us, willing to die for us, or we can just think about what's happening overseas to Christians right now in our cushy little building with the air conditioning and all the equipment, and people are dying. Dying because they will not renounce Christ. Amen? Do you deal with rejection and low self-esteem? Easily offended? Nobody's raising their hand on that one. <laughs> well, I know everybody, all of us deal with this, but there's a great book out there for that. It's written by John Bevere, and it's called The Bait of Satan. O offense, offense, the bait of Satan. 
If you can really, if you read that book, it will really give you an understanding of how he uses offenses against you. And when you react to the offense, you just become a puppet in his hands. You just do what he wants you to do. And if you're new to the faith, there's another great book out there called The Purple Book. I know Pastor Donnie's familiar with. I think we're gonna work on getting some of those here. But it's a great foundational book. If you don't get rooted and grounded properly, if you don't get the fundamentals down, you know, you're destined to lose. You gotta have the fundamentals to keep being able to go back to. Salvation. Just, just salvation. A heavenly hope. Blessed assurance. Gratefulness for the God, for the people God has placed in our lives. And when I think of the people God has placed in my life, it can get overwhelming. Such incredible great people that I have no business hanging around. Blessed way beyond measure. But I, like anyone, can easily allow my mind to drift and forget who I am, what he's done for me and what he has in store for me. Amen? So when Jesus came, he had to remind us what it means to be human. And he did so by perfectly representing our holy God to the world. He restored our ability to walk out our God-given identity by healing our relationship with our maker. Okay, we're all, we hear things like, are you right with God? <laughs> Jesus came and when he died on the cross and when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, God restored the ability for you to have that relationship like Adam and Eve did. And you're not going to get it in full measure until you get to heaven. Fair warning. But you can get closer and closer and closer to God so that when you're lying on your deathbed, you're so close to him, it's like, I'm ready. Go miss you guys. Get right. See you in a little while. Amen. Turn or burn. <laughs> so it's no wonder that the author of Hebrews challenges us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because when we really see him and who he is and who we are in him, we begin to see ourselves as who we really are. This in turn allows us to truly understand that sin is our enemy. And our depravity and weaknesses are powerful when we rely solely upon the God of all grace. See, God does all this work when we surrender and allow him to do it. If I'm scheduled for heart surgery and I don't show up to the hospital, I ain't getting my heart surgery. 
So if I'm not coming to him with my needs and receiving them, I'm not going to get them. I can keep chasing that carrot that the, the world dangles out there so they do such a good job. They make the shiny things look even shinier on TV. The Mustangs, look, I'm going, I'm, I'm losing it. Shiny things. But truth be told, when we look around, look to your left, look to your right, this is what should be the most important thing to you, people. It's got to be all about the people. And the more that we can get our identity and our mind to line up with the mind of Christ, the more we're going to be able to do that. And instead of being maybe a hindrance in somebody's life, we're going to be a blessing. And then we're going to be able to deal with people who are hindrance in our lives in a calm, loving manner. Working out issues biblically and then move parting ways if that's what it boils down to with no hard feelings. God is going to remove people from your life, from our lives. So these mindsets... Is everybody going to take some time and try to recognize as certain things and come to your mind and be reminded of the scripture that, that says, bring every thought into captivity? I don't think about that enough. Do you follow me? I need to think about that more and look at that scripture more so it becomes instinctive for me to capture that thought. Amen? Just like instead of cussing when I hit my finger, I learned to say hallelujah. It, it, it's become instinctive. Took a while. Amen? So, we just have to allow God to transform us into that person that, that he's, he's working in you now. And those areas where you think you can't do this or you can't do that, or you're not called to do this, or you don't have the ability. I just remind you of Moses and the struggles he had. I just remind you, I rem well, I remind myself that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he wants to use you. But first, he wants to be really, really close to you. He wants intimacy. He want, I'm going to close with this. So we talk a lot about <clears throat> God trusting us. Right? We want God, we want to be trustworthy to God. Amen? But do you realize that God is constantly trying to earn our trust? He wants our trust so bad. And whenever we know 
when we, when we don't, we know when we do things, when we do, I know I'm not trusting the Lord properly, doing things in our own strength. So I'm going to have my brother Rick come up. He's going to um, do an altar call, do a benediction and an altar call. And um, anybody struggling with anything, you know, faith, the Bible says your faith makes you whole, right? And there's this stigma maybe about people being embarrassed, maybe coming to the front. We got to get rid of that. Right? Because the Bible talks about prayer and laying on of hands. So whatever it is, how minor or how major, let us pray for you. It's the most that we can do. Did you hear that? It's not the least we can do. It's the most that we can do. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.